I don't wanna be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free, so you could hear the truth. Yeah, know that we all have fear. Hey guys, welcome back to the Truth For Youth podcast. Today, I have a special guest. I have Rick Michaels here. He's a friend of mine, and he's a local Chick-fil-A operator. So to get things started, I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to him, let him tell you a little bit about himself, and then we're gonna get into a little bit of his faith journey. All right, Rick, so tell us a little bit about yourself, a little about your growing up. Where did you actually grow up? So I grew up um, in East Tennessee, uh, just, just above Knoxville. Uh, for most of my life, I was the grandson of a Southern Baptist preacher. Uh, my dad, his second job, I guess, or volunteer job in our small little church at the time was to be the music minister or the director of the choir, whatever you wanted to call him back then. Uh, so, and of course, my mom was the, 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 the lady playing the piano yep. um, at, during, during church service. So, grew up in East Tennessee uh, there and, and enjoyed my time. But, but that's kind of where my faith journey or where, okay. I, where I started to learn Christ was. So, so, grew up there in East Tennessee, even went to college there in my hometown of Jefferson City, Carson Newman University. Yeah, small we've gone to Fuge at Carson Newman. Yes, yeah. it's a great place. And so, I graduated there, and then I went to the Army for 20 years. I got a commission in the Army and served all over the world. Had a great time doing it. Uh, a lot of great high-profile jobs. And then retired after 20 years, and then came out and... Uh, and became a Chick-fil-A operator. Chick-fil-A, so from the Army to Chick-fil-A. From the right? Army to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's drop back a little bit to when you were in the Army, when you were, you did a lot of logistics stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, so how did that happen? Did that just, is that something you were passionate about? Right. Is that just, there was an opening and they're like, you know what, we, we need you here? No, actually, so when I was a very logical person, I'm very, still a very logical person, <laughs> I kind of think through things, and, and I said, what is it? When I was going through college, we had to pick what we wanted to do in yeah. the Army. And so um, I said, well, you know, if I could be an infantry officer, what am I going to do when I get out? Well, I could go do security, I could do leadership, or I could do a lot of different small stuff, but I really wanted to be rich. And so <laughs> I thought, well, logistics, man, we're always going to need trucks. We're always going to need stuff to transport things, whether air, ground, rail, sea, whatever. So I want to be an expert in that because that's where the money is going to be. And so that's why I chose transportation because I knew I'm like, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty smart dude. I think, I think I can figure this out. I want to do this because I'll have something to support my family on when I get out. So that's why I chose transportation. All right. So, so help us to understand a little bit about maybe if it was a specific task or kind of some of your responsibilities when you were actually in the military. Like what would... What would a logistics operations manager do? Or so, so I had a lot of different jobs. One thing great, great about the military is they move you around and they step you up in, in responsibility as you get more rank. So I started out, I was a platoon leader. I was in charge of about 45 soldiers uh, and the trucks and the transportation mission. And we delivered fuel that pretty easy. We would take these big fuel tankers, I had 20 of them, I maintained them, we got them filled up with fuel and we would take them out to the battlefield um, and, and either to an aviation unit to, to refuel the helicopters or to ground units to, to put uh, fuel in the tanks of, because 
we, it runs on gas, right? Everything runs on, on fuel. So we had to take this fuel to our, our customers, which was our infantry or whatever. So the whole logistics tail that went along with that. So then I, I moved up the ladder and now I'm, now I'm the, the transportation supervisor for a battalion. So I'm telling other truck companies, whether it be food, water, uh, fuel, any, any supplies that came in, they all came by truck. And so I had to manage that process. Well, then I continued to move up. Then I was in charge of a company. Now I had 160 people and I had 50 trucks Mm -hmm. uh, that delivered all different types of commodities. And then you keep going up the ladder and then I became the division transportation officer for an, an infantry division. And we deployed to Baghdad during the war. And so I, I controlled all of the ground transportation, all the air transportation that came in and out of Baghdad as um, a divi- division transportation officer. Probably one of the biggest jobs I have. Then I left there. I, I kept going up and in, in, into on the ladder, and then I managed um, the ground transportation for the President of the United yeah, States that's at the White exciting, House. Huh? So I did that, and then I rounded out my career in the Pentagon, where we were doing policy, uh, writing policy for all the logistics that goes on in the army. So I stair-stepped my way up through through my career. So uh, being in charge of moving the president around, probably a pretty stressful job, right? You probably had a lot of <laughs> pressure on you to get him there safe or? It was a, what we call in the army, we, we call it a, a here today, gone today job. <laughs> you could be here one day and gone that same day. That's how, that's how uh, meticulous uh, we, we called it, we didn't say it was zero defect, we called it presidential quality. Mm. And so everything that, you, everything that we did had to be focused on the little details, giving presidential quality, and being 100% all the time. Wow, yeah, no room for error. Yes, no room for error. <laughs> so I, I'm guessing with, with all the pressure, I know you can't reveal specifics, was there anything, like any hiccups that you ever had that were like, oh my goodness, we, we're, we're, we've got a really fix a problem so right the, now without giving you know details i guess the biggest the biggest thing that we had go wrong and it may be minute but we missed our my soldiers my ncos missed a movement for the first lady and i had i got called on the carpet to the white house <laughs> for that one that's one i had to show up for and i had to do the explanation how did you miss providing transportation for the first lady's um, movement yeah. is what we call them. And so that was not a fun day, <laughs> but uh, the good Lord was with me. And, and so he, he, you know, he got me through that. <laughs> so, so we were good. <laughs> all right. So that, that's a really neat career. I, I would love to hear specifics on that, but I know we can't share all the details. All right. So let's drop back a little bit now um, talking about your faith journey. At what point, you know, you kind of grew up with, some Christian influence, obviously, in your home and kind of grew up, sound like, in the church. At what point did you say, okay, this is something that I need to do. I need to have my own personal relationship with Jesus instead of maybe, you know, hearing your parents talk about it or your granddad talk about it when you actually kind of said, I'm taking ownership myself. Well, you know, it was in our life. I had two brothers, an older and a twin. And it's actually funny. Me and my twin both decided on on the same day to, to receive Christ into our hearts and personal Savior and and to follow Him, but but it was it was just one of those things that 
we just knew we it, there wasn't a, a thing we never had a faith struggle yeah. um, it wasn't you know I'm looking for you know hard evidence uh, it was our whole family is Christian so you kind of that was boring but it you know I, I've, I've had struggles throughout life I'm not perfect or anything like that um, but but early in early in my life I knew that uh, the only way to heaven was through him and um, I believed it. We lived it. It was modeled for me in the home. It was modeled for me outside the home, even uh, even in my circle of friends and my church and everything like that. Uh, that was modeled for me, and I knew that was that was the happiest I had I had ever been was when I was giving um, giving everything over to Him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I accepted Jesus Christ in our hearts. I think we were nine years old. So I waited a long time. I waited nine whole years, okay? So, uh, no, it, it just it was something that I just grew up with, and I grew up with that faith, uh, thank, thankfully. Uh, and I really never struggled. I've never struggled with that realization. Hmm. Um, I think I've, I've seen that. I see my father struggle. My, my twin brother sadly passed away of cancer, um, we were he he got diagnosed with cancer on his 21st birthday mm. and so to see him for a year and a half go through fighting cancer and then to lose that battle was tough for us wow. and so my father well i was able to see through my father's eyes what walking away from christ and god looks like mm. um and i didn't want any part of it so he, he's since found you know come back and, and you know realized that that was not um, us losing my brother, it was more a fact of um, God needed him more than we yeah, did. And so he had great. fulfilled his purpose on the earth. So, But I saw through my father what that looked like, and I didn't want any part of it. So I've, I've always really clung close to God. I mean, there's been times throughout my, my life where I've become distant, but um, I've always known. I've never, I've never faltered in the fact that, um, that Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior and the only way to heaven. Is through him. Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I was just about to ask you. I imagined that your faith was tested a little bit when you get to the military because, oh, yes, I, you know, like I was never in the military, but from what I've heard, it's a lot of those guys are not strong Christians or yes. believers, yes. and it's a very tough environment. Obviously, you're going to see a lot of things in the military that probably are are, are struggle to accept or struggle to see, like. How could a God allow some of this stuff to happen? Or, or why is there so much hate? Or why is there, you know, this person doing this? And so I got to imagine that there, there's some testing of your faith in there. So you really never wavered at that point? Like no, I other never, people's religions? I, Did anybody you know ever push what? me I that? I never wavered. I rem, I, what I do recall is, because I lived in a cocoon. I mean, I lived in as much of a yeah. cocoon as you can live. Now, I wasn't privileged you know, people throw around this word privilege. I, I believe I believe everybody is, has the same privilege um, here because we have two privileges. One, that Jesus, that's something that we did not earn. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Mm -hmm. Everybody has that same yeah. privilege. I was born in the United States of America. I didn't earn that. That just happened that through the grace of God, right? But everything else after that is a choice. Yeah. And so... All the choices that were made for me or before me led me to where I am today, but, but really kind of helped form that cocoon. 
But it wasn't until I got out of that cocoon in the military that I started to see the mm-hmm. diversity of yeah. thought and ideology and yeah. religion yeah. that was out there. And as an officer, we had to be accommodating mm-hmm. to everyone, to every religion. But I felt like that if I could be the example of Christ to others, then maybe I would have an impact, a positive impact for Christ in the military. I didn't drink. So that's odd oh, yeah. when you're an officer in the military <laughs> and you don't drink. Oh my goodness. Because when like, you're off duty and that was, What is wrong with even evenings, even, right? even during military functions, they have alcoholic beverages and, and that's just the expectation. Yeah. So it was really odd. Oh my gosh, my, my leader does not drink. And I was like, yeah, I just you know, I just don't believe in it. I don't. It's not something that I ever grew up with. It's mm. never something that was never. Mod- I'm not saying that drinking is necessarily bad as long as you don't do an excess. But, but I just never did. And so that was their first in of, oh, you must be, you must be Christian. Mm. I'm like, well, if that's how you think of me to be, a, I'm fine. Think you know, think think what you want. But I hope you think of me as a Christian because I, I am a good person right. and I treat everybody right. well. And I got my first opportunity to witness to a guy. Um, who was previously religious, a Christian. I don't even like the word religious, but he was a Christian. And he had two twins, or he had triplets. Two of the girls were identical, everything. The other girl, you couldn't even tell, she told that <laughs> she was a sister. And I said, he was like, how do you know? How do you know that there's a God? And I said, well, first I know there's a creator because you can't just... Things just don't happen, right? right? There's got to be a creator. But I said, the other thing is, look at your own daughters. I said, who in their world, how do you get that? How does science work this way? Because God God makes the science. I said, how do you even think up of having two, having triplets, but two of them be identical, and the other one doesn't even look like you, doesn't look like your wife, just odd, (laughs) right? Just not there. I said, that's a miracle, man. Just the fact that, that those three could even live and grow inside your wife and then come out at the same time and live, that's a miracle. That's a miracle only God can do. Mm. There's no man, there's nothing. Science can't even do that. That is something God does. And so um, so he was, he was just kind of floored that, I, that that was the answer. And he couldn't deny it. He yeah. couldn't deny Christ. But, but it was an opportunity for me to take, that, take what I'd learned in my cocoon and then kind of be a light. Christ in the military. Yeah, I, I kind of have a similar story in the sense that I grew up, I feel like, in the cocoon. You know, I, it's always fun. We talk about how Alabama, Tennessee, it's kind of mm-hmm. that Bible belt. And I always right. claim where I grew up was the belt buckle. Right? Like it was, <laughs> right, right, it was right, the right. buckle, right? Like right. everybody was Christian. And when I went to Auburn, which is a conservative, you know, it's not a Christian university, but there's a lot of Christians there. And I had a professor that really challenged me, and I had some other people that challenged me, and I started thinking, you know what, I did grow up in a very sheltered life, and yeah. who's to say my parents were right? I met these people that they're, they were very sincere about their religion, and I know their parents loved them, and so I really got confused, and, and I really set on a little journey to try to figure out, maybe, maybe my parents were wrong. Maybe my mm-hmm. pastor was wrong. Maybe I'm the one that's missed out. And I, but I came away stronger. You know, when I went out and did the research, I prayed, and I really just blocked out everybody, but went in with the open mind. And I prayed to God, because I knew, like you were saying, I knew there was a God. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind. 
you know, it, you use the analogy of there's got to be a creator. And if you see a painting, well, it doesn't <laughs> just happen, right? You know, there, someone painted it or a building doesn't just construct itself. Like there's got to be a builder. So I knew there was a creator. I just didn't know was Christianity the right way. And, uh, but after I did this, this research and I was praying to God, give me truth. Help me to understand what is the right way because I want to know. And I knew that God would want me to know the right way. And it was maybe like an eight-month journey of really struggling to figure it out. But I came back and I said, Christianity is the right way. Like, I'm confident. Mm-hmm. And I've been, ever, I've been confident, more confident ever since. But I have students all the time. And you know what? I want to say this year in particular, I probably had more students question God that grew up in solid Christian homes. But they're getting to a place where maybe some things have happened in life or they start feeling like, I'm sheltered. My parents have always told me this or taught me this. And so I think it's interesting. You know, I think we, a lot of times we all go through a little bit of a journey of trying to figure it out. And I think that's good you know, if students approach it right. But I was just having this conversation. And this, this young man was just struggling with some of the difficulties that he had to go through in life. And I was like, well, we all have difficulties. You know, it's not a perfect world. And even you, you're talking about losing your twin brother, at, you know, 21 getting diagnosed with cancer and like, there's difficult things, and that doesn't mean that God, like, I love the perspective that you said. You didn't say, I'm mad at God because he took my brother. I looked at it from the standpoint of, God took my brother home. Like, mm. God was done with him. He was ready to bring him home because that is a better place than where we are today. And, but it's hard for us, especially teenagers, to, to try to have that mindset. Um, so I want to go back to, to you talking about that because I want young people to understand because I know young people are, are constantly confused about bad things or difficulties. So, so take us back to that where you said, you know what, I, I, how, how did you have that perspective? I mean, like, I know you kind of grew up in the, in the Christian home, but what gave you that peace to know, you know what, this is God. This is not a bad thing necessarily. Right. Um, well, I'll tell you, you, you never know how you're going to react to a situation until you're in it. Um, and I would like to say that I would react the same way every single time to everything. If life, like, I lost my kids today. That would be devastating. Right. But I would hope I would have my, the wherewithal to, to, um, to act that way or to, to believe that way. But God is amazing in the way that he does the things that he does. And so, so during that whole process of him being sick, I was going through transition myself. I'm graduating college. Mm. He gets diagnosed at 21. I'm a senior in college. And I'm like, man, what, what are you crazy? And I, I'm going, or I'm about to be a senior. I, it, was, it was right in my junior year, and I'm about to be a senior. So I go off to a summer, you know, a summer camp, I guess is what we called it, uh, to, to, as my last requirement for ROTC. And then I go through my entire ROTC. We think we got this cancer thing licked. And then it comes up. July 3rd was... Um, was the day that he passed but so I had already gotten my commission in the army I was gone to Fort Eustace Virginia I'm in training mm. I get this phone call you've got to come back now he's not gonna make it mm. and I was like oh, man this sucks so I go back and I spend a week I get a week God gave me a week with my brother and so in that week we just talked about everything he you know if at the time, he couldn't even speak. He had no tongue left. Mm. Half of his neck had been taken out by this cancer and then finally made its way to the brain. He, had, he was feeding out of a tube in his stomach. 
but we could still we could still talk a little bit and then the night before I left to go back because I had to go back to the army uh, because you know he had passed uh, the night before I left I just because I slept in his room every night uh, during that mm. and I, I just looked at him I said hey bud I got to go back to the army tomorrow I just want to let you know he goes nope gave me a thumbs up no no worries mm. and that was the night that he passed so God has a amazing his timing is impeccable um, because he knew, okay, God, Joey was my brother. Um, he knew that, okay, I had spent my time. God has said, Rick has said, it's okay to go. God, God's going to take me home now. And he, and he was able to let go. Hmm. So through that, I knew who, who, in the health, who, who in the world else could have orchestrated that the way that he did. And I, you know, I, I have an internalistic view. I had a, had a great boss in the army one time. He said, "Hey, Rick, I have an internalistic view about everything. You're going to make mistakes. Don't worry about it." Because I have an internalistic view, and I'm like, "Oh, great. What's that mean?" He goes, "In eternity, when I'm sitting in eternity, I'm not going to care about your little mistake, bro. <laughs> Trust me, because God's got bigger plans for us in eternity." Yeah. And so I was just happy. I was really more more elated that God took him because when you look at somebody's devastated yeah, earthly body yeah. and they're hurting and they're in pain, you're just like, man, God, please take him so that he doesn't have to feel this pain anymore. And so, you know, God, God, that's, God's a merciful God and, and he took him, he took him away so he didn't have to feel that pain. So I had that, that view. Now, of course, family members, my father got mad at it. I, you know, he had so much yeah. to live for you and, and yes, he, he did. He, he would have been great, but I, you never know. You know, God has many more plans, and we don't know the impact that he had on somebody else, right. that that was really his only purpose to be on the earth is to have an impact on that. He may have been his purpose to influence me or influence my dad or influence somebody else in our family. We don't know, but and only God knows, and our little pea brains can't figure right. that out. So um, I just know that, you know, God has a plan, and and I, I don't believe in the um, this this doctrine of you know if if you believe in God then He's going to provide everything and mm. and you know everything's going to be hunky dory for you. Um, you're going to be rich and, it, and it, it's going to be amazing. No, that's not what God ever promised us. Um, God promised us that you're going to get persecuted. You're going to go through trials and tribulations. Your life is going to suck, but glorify me in everything. Wow. Whew. Man, guys, are you getting this? Man, Rick is putting down some truth. And it's not his truth. It's, the, it's all biblical-based. It's all about Jesus, his love, his sovereignty, his purpose, his plan. And for Rick to be able to take that tragedy and to build on it and to look at it like, you know what, his brother Joey, had, he had a purpose and he fulfilled it. And we, we might not ever know, guys, we might not ever know. He may have someone come up and tell him 10 years from now, you know what, this is what your brother's life had an impact on me. Or he may not. He may not until we get to heaven and realize some of these purposes. So young people, when you go through difficulties, when you have tragedy, don't have that mindset of all you can see is right in front of you. God has a big perspective. He sees everything, and there's, there's always more to the process. That's what we talked about last week. Trust the process, right? We don't understand the process while we're in it. And we may not understand when we're outside, but if we trust the process, Rick is saying he trusted that, that God had a purpose and a plan. And we could, we could continue on this, but I want to kind of keep, 
keep uh, moving with Rick so we're not here for like five hours, um, even though that'd be great. But Rick, so let's, let's transition. So when you're, you're retiring from doing logistics with the president and in the Pentagon, what made you decide Chick-fil-A? So great point. I had, my brother-in-law owns two Chick-fil-A's okay. in Charlotte. And so he had been kind of nudging me in this direction. I've always been kind of like, no, I'm, I'm making rank like crazy. You know, I've done some really pretty important, cool jobs in the military that's kind of set me up to be a Fulbright Colonel, to be a general officer. I could go do all these things. And, um, and then he just kept nudging me. He just kept nudging me. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, bit, I'm, I'm a Christian first. I don't, leave, I don't leave my beliefs at the door. And I, I, would, I would implore that anybody, don't leave your beliefs at the door of your office. Don't leave your beliefs at the door of your restaurant. Don't leave your beliefs at the door of the military when you walk in. That that's something that who you, who you are, and that's what God made you to be, right? And so um, the Army and, and the military at the time were kind of switching gears into doing some things I didn't really... Um, didn't really respect, didn't mm. really, it's not why I got into the army. And I felt led by God that, hey, this is not, I'm not saying that, that, the, that any, everybody in the army is this way or, or anything like that because they stayed. But it, for me, it just, it was the right time. And my, my brother-in-law had been nudging me. And then finally he just said, Rick, dude, if, if you don't want to do it, just tell me. Now, I think he got a little frustrated. <laughs> he was like, dude, I, I keep talking to you about this. Yeah. And I always think, man, I don't, was that? my brother-in-law Dupree telling me this or was this God? <laughs> Another one of those God moments where he's saying, Hey Rick, move in this direction. So, and I really, honestly, I wanted to partner with a company that had the same morals, ethics, and values that I had grown up with mm -hmm. and that I had displayed in the army and learned some stuff in the army on how to lead. And Chick-fil-A was it. And, and honestly, it wasn't a, a, an exact transition out of, um, out of the army into Chick-fil-A, I was a vice president of a of an executive transportation company there in DC for about nine months. Mm -hmm. And you see a different corporate culture and you have to go in there and you're like, oh man, this is not this is not the corporate culture. Now it gives you an opportunity to change some things, but but it's not the place you wanted to spend the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so uh, through that I I chose Chick-fil-A. I really I say I chose Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A can even say they chose me, but I truly believe that it was God's plan, that that's, that's what he wanted me to do, and that was a purpose. And so I, I went for it. Two and a half years of interviews. God gave, I prayed it for a lot of patience. <laughs> a lot of patience. And I'm not even the worst. Some people for four years <laughs> are in this process, right? And so, you know, so I was, um, you know, God gave me a lot of patience. So I'll, I'll tell you this one story. I knew I was on the right track. Here I am. I'm in Peachtree City, Georgia, and I had flown down for one of these interviews. I had several interviews. And I'm going down the street. I'm going to go. It was the night before. And I had I was part of a church up in D.C. called uh, uh, National Community Church. Pastor by Mark Batterson, who is a very well-known author of uh, Circle Maker, All In, all these all these not all these good books and he was our pastor what he had talked to us about you know praying circles around our problems mm. praying circles around us so i went to this i went to the exact room i was going to be in to interview 
And I prayed circles around that. I was wow. just outside yeah. of that room, and I was just praying circles. Uh, and I mean, people were probably looking at me like, man, what is this weird dude doing? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I'm praying Walls circles. going to fall, Jericho. I'm praying circles about this because yeah. I, I, feel, I feel led to do this, but I want God to know that I'm, I'm very intentional. So I'm, I'm, I left there, and I'm hungry, so I'm going down the road. I was going to go to a Chick-fil-A yeah. uh, to grab something to eat. And I pull down to the road, and I'm going down through there, and we're out in the middle of a, a road that had nobody on it. It was really late at night, uh, probably about 9 o'clock. And the car in front of me just comes to a dead stop in the middle of the road for no reason. <laughs> and I am standing on my brake pedal, the little rental car that I had. But the only thing I can remember seeing was the license tag, the Georgia license tag. And if because I, I, I was saying right before I turned, I said, God, if this is right, I, was, I, prayed, I prayed the whole time, God, if this is the right thing, just show me a sign. Give me a sign. Yeah. Could you come out of the clouds yeah. and talk to me <laughs> right now and just say something, shake me up? Um, and he had that car stop in front of me, and I stood on my brakes, and the only thing I saw was that Georgia license plate. And some Georgia license plate had the county at the bottom, but this Georgia license plate had the words, In God We Trust. And so I can remember to this day that license tag and seeing In God We Trust in there. And, and to this day, I'm, I'm sure of it. That was God telling me, shut up. Just trust me. Just man. trust me, man. I got this. I yeah. got this. And, of course, it ended that's up cool. going my way. But that's, Chick-fil-A just has the, the, the ethics, the morals. So what are some ways now that you're in Chick-fil-A and have been an operator, and you actually started in Georgia and now you're in Sarasota, uh, what are some ways that you've been able to either mentor or minister or witness or share your faith or serve? I mean, obviously Chick-fil-A is big on serving to use your faith in the capacity that you are now as an operator. Oh, I think, you know, I think it's a daily basis. We, we hire, I hire high character kids anyway, normally, but not all of them are believers. Mm -hmm. Many of them probably aren't believers. And so it's an opportunity for us to to be youth pastors yeah. in the church, to be uh, even to, to adults, just just to be the example that God wants us to be. I have this thing on my phone that I have um, that I make sure that I read every day, but it's something I picked up somewhere. I can't even remember where I got it, but I saved it on my phone. And it's my, my um, you can't see this, but it's, it's my, my home screen. And it says, do the people that work for you understand who Jesus is better because of the kind of boss you are. Mm. And so I, yeah. sometimes you have to bring yourself into that thinking that, and do people understand Jesus because of how I treat them or how, what kind of a boss they are or what kind of a boss I am? And I hope so. I mean, I, I certainly look at my, my role as an owner-operator as a person that can influence others. I mean, even Chick-fil-A's um, Chick corporate purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all who come into contact with Chick-fil-A. And so I want to be that positive influence, not only for our team members, but for our guests. I even, I even tell, tell our team, I'm like, you know, the word restaurant does not stand for a place to go get something to eat. <laughs> When you, that's not what restaurant stands for. It's, it's restaurant um, is derived from, from a, a, 
some other language that says a that means a place of restoration. Huh. So, and when I say restoration, you know, people come into a restaurant, come and hopefully come into my restaurant, um, and this is what I want them to do to be restored, not only through their mouth and right. their belly, but I want their soul to be restored. I want to be a place cool. of nourishment, not only for you know, the meal that they're needing, the food that they're needing for energy, but I want to be able to nourish their soul with how I treat them and how I show them the love of God through my actions. And I do that with my team, um, with my with my guests, and sometimes there's tough love. I mean, God shows us tough love all the time, yeah. right? Doesn't He doesn't say yes to everything. Yeah. And so um, I want to be that father figure for those kids that don't necessarily have fathers. I want to be yeah. that father figure for those that have fathers, but they're not believers. Right. I want to be that Christian for the person that's seeking. I want to be the Christian for the, the person that's falling away. And if mm. I'm not strong in my faith and I'm not showing Jesus's love on a daily basis, then uh, they're not either. And that's kind of how I use Chick-fil-A and how I use my position as an owner operator in the restaurant. And then outside the restaurant and I get involved in schools, yeah. I'm, I sponsor Little League. Little League. <laughs> I mean, anywhere yeah. I can, I can youth be groups. youth <laughs> groups. Um, you know, I, we sponsor a scholarship program at the at Venice High School yeah. for a character, and it's really based character only. It's not even GPA. It's just character. Character. Because awesome. I want I want kids to understand that, and I, I even hire the same way. I don't hire because I'm looking at somebody's grades. I was about to say you don't care. I care less about. If, a GPA. I, I don't you care. want someone with good character that's coming in your restaurant. I want somebody with great character because I, yeah. I always tell people, I can hire and train anyone, but I can't teach character. Oh. That comes from your church and your home. That's good. And so I, I can't teach that. Yeah. I can model it, but I can't teach it. Yeah. And so I can teach you how to bread chicken. I can teach you how to <laughs> say nice things to a customer or take, take an order on a POS uh, POS meaning uh, point of sale or cash register, but I can't teach you character. I can't mm -hmm. teach you to love that in your heart. And so I ask one question in an interview, and it's normally, tell me a time in your life where you've served somebody else without any expectation of anything in return. Mm -hmm. And if they can answer that, that tells me they have a servant's heart. There's something I can work with. Yeah. If they can't answer that, then I probably don't give them a job because I, I can't work with a character, right? I can't, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna change somebody. Right? Only God can change somebody. Um, and so I, that's kind of how, how we work it. Uh, that's awesome. I never knew that about restaurant being a place of restoration. That's awesome. That, and that's a great, what a mindset to have, like being a place where someone can come and get rest and get, you know, feel like, you know, yes, get food and good food at that. But also just, hey, this is a place where I feel welcomed. I feel treated right. And then people are serving me and saying kind things to me and, what a great way to for people to walk out full belly but a full spirit almost you know full right full heart so that that's man that's awesome i love to hear that <laughs> that's really cool and, and another great thing that you were saying is just being either that father figure or that witness i mean as a youth pastor i mean i get to see all sorts of broken homes kids in, in awful situations dads that have either passed away or just not present or just not good family situations and so the more opportunities that people have to kind of be those, not necessarily trying to be their dad, but being a, an older, a mentor, 
you know, for a young man or even just a, a better father figure than maybe what some young girls have because of your stand for Christ and then having that, you know, you're trying to build character and you're trying to instill hard work and value uh, so that they can better themselves because we got the best example of a servant in the book where Jesus is serving his disciples and constantly serving others. And so I think that's great. Now you're taking that to a whole nother level, you know, with the restaurant. So that's, that's really cool. All right, so as we kind of wrap things up, Rick, what, was, what would be some key advice, maybe, because you've worked with a lot of teenagers too, and, and I've worked with them more in, rest, more in a youth group, you've worked with them more in the restaurant. What are some key things that you see maybe in your teenagers that you're like, you know what, these are some keys that I think students should either have or work towards so that they can be successful, not necessarily just successful in a restaurant, but successful in life mm-hmm. and as a, as a believer. So I'm, I'm a big believer, and I'll say this all the time. So there's, there's a few Bible verses I love. Number one is Truett Cathy, our founder, his life verse was Proverbs 22.1. And it's, um, it's really centered around um, wanting a lot of money. You, I, I mentioned earlier, oh, I want to be transportation because I want a lot, of, a lot of money. But uh, here, let me read Proverbs 22.1. It's, um, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Steward your name. Steward, steward yourself. Steward everything that God has entrusted to you, um, especially your name. You can't, you can't get that back once you get away. That integrity, all that, you give that away. You, that's not something that's given to you. You mm-hmm. give it away. Don't give it away. Um, the other thing I always impress upon people is Colossians 3.23. That's one of my favorite verses. It says, work like you're working for God yeah. and not like you're working for human masters or man, right? Um, and so when I go in every day, I try to remember, man, I've got to work like God is standing right next, and He is my boss, because yeah. He is, but I got to work like, and make Him proud. Not not this customer over here, not Chick-fil-A. I got to make God, God happy. He's got to be happy with my day. And if I can work every single day, and I just focus on that day, if I can just work today to make God happy, mm-hmm. then I've done my job. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, is um, I want to read Second um, Timothy four one through four. I think it is um, a lot, especially especially now with the way the world is. We tend to we tend a lot of folks tend to try to read into the Bible what their worldview is. Mm-hmm. And they, they want make to make yeah. the Bible conform to their worldview. When what they need to be doing is making their worldview conform to the truths Absolutely. in the Bible. And so, and, and so I, you know, my pastor this weekend had mentioned this verse and it reminded me of it. I was just like, man, this is, this is so um, apropos <laughs> to this time. It says, it's 2 Timothy 4, and I'll read 1 through 5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? And in the view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with the sound doctrine 
Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth mm. and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, yeah. do the work of an evangelist, discharge all duties of your ministry. And what he's saying is, man, you can, you can believe what you want to believe, right? It doesn't make it the truth. And you can surround yourself with people that want to tell you what you want to believe. It's yeah. called an echo chamber. Yeah. <laughs> you can put yourself in an echo chamber where you're hearing and, you're, and you're, they're pointing it back and they're saying, no, 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 the Bible really means this, but it doesn't. And so they change their worldview or they change the Bible to, to meet what their yeah. worldview is or what society tells them to do. And that's where we get, that's where I feel like it's going to be the biggest, the biggest life shift for people uh, on Judgment Day. Yeah. Wait a minute. You mean that? Wait a second. <laughs> I, I bent the Bible to my worldview, right? Yeah. And it's like, no, you've got yeah. to bend your worldview to the, what the truth in the Bible is. Mm -hmm. If that truth is, is in, not in the Bible, I, and I, I, you, know, you point to a lot of different things that yeah. are going on right now. Yeah, you, you wind up taking God and you're making your own God, which is called idolatry. That's you know, right. we seem to think, oh, idolatry is I have this golden calf that I'm worshiping. No, that's when you're making God someone that he is not so that that's what you're worshiping. And that's what Rick's saying. And our world is bad about that. Oh, well, I like everything about the Bible except for these few points. Right. They don't really fit to my lifestyle. That's so right. I'm going to just kind of eliminate right. those. Or that, Those were only um, applied to the, to the people in the Old Testament or to certain that's people. Right. You know, right. and that is that is a very dangerous way to live. Yeah, a very because, dangerous way to like live. Like you said, it's going to be a rude awakening one day for sure. You know, I, I the thing that keeps me up at night is, you know, we we when I was in the military, you had one last question, right, to to ask the general that was speaking, and the question was always, what what keeps you up at night? And it's always their their biggest fear, right? And so my biggest fear that keeps me up at night is when Judgment Day happens not hearing the words you know hey rick you i, I see your name in my in my mm -hmm. book but you have done well my good and faithful servant if i don't hear those words that's that's the scariest thing to me mm -hmm. because i know what the opposite right. option is to heaven and so that's why i i try to live a moral life i try to try to do the right thing and i i try to bend my worldview to the what the truth in the Bible is. and then and and while God sent us here to love and not to judge I don't want to judge anybody but I certainly want to make 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 sure that my worldview and the things that I believe and the things that I talk about mm -hmm. and the life that I lead is pleasing in God's eyes Absolutely. and is is based on the truths that he has laid out for us in in the word of God yeah, and making the biggest impact as possible. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I, like you said, the, the well done, good and faithful servant, meaning that, you know, I was, you know, well, what I was entrusted, I, I was a I good did. steward, right? right? I did I did what I was supposed right. to do. I tried to influence as many people as possible and tried to uh, tell as much people about Jesus. Absolutely. Well, Rick, I really, really appreciate it, man. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate <laughs> everything that you're doing for our community. So all you locals listening to this, be sure you go check out Rick at his Chick-fil-A. He's at Pelican Plaza. And uh, you're probably always looking for some, some young people eager to work with good character. Always. Right? push-ups or whatever. <laughs> hey, also, I need to plug Red Army socks. I wear them yes. every day. They're the best. Just letting you know. There you go. 
You gotta go check out that company somewhere. I don't know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you tuning in and listening to today's podcast. I hope you found it valuable. And look, guys, the biggest thing that you could do for me and for this podcast is if you like it, please leave a review if you have not on iTunes and share the podcast. If you find value, if you think someone else could, could relate to Rick's story, please share it with a friend. Share it with someone so that they too can hear it. We greatly appreciate that, guys. Love you, and we'll catch you in the next podcast. Bye-bye. I don't want to be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free so you could hear the truth.